This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. We have some pretty big news from your host here, Erica Lance. We are moving to change the format of the show to be one episode. So there's a few episodes that record the old way that we're doing the new way. And that's what you're listening to. So thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we love having you as fans. On to the show. Welcome to Drinking With Authors. I am your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the amazing Bo Lake. And our guest today is Felice Zaslow. Welcome, Felice. Hi, thank you very much. Absolutely. Of course, of course. Let's talk about what we're drinking. So I have (laughs) one of my Drinking With Authors swag, um, which is faded. I think it's the first one I got. Anyway, um, I am drinking this um, thing called Nixie Sparkling Water. It's watermelon mint with gin in it or watermelon mint water with or gin with water. I don't know. Anyway, yes, that's what I'm doing. And it's very nice. It's very pleasant, effervescent for this afternoon. But what are you drinking? Well, today, as usual, I am drinking a Blue Moon because oh. I love it. It's the only beer I really like. And it matches your hair. I really yeah, think always. that's the key point and not the beer mm-hmm. itself. But yeah, moving on, moving on. Felice, what are you drinking today? Well, I'm not drinking any alcohol today, um, mostly because I usually drink when I go out um, and I'm with people out to dinner or whatever. Uh, and my favorite wine is a Riesling by Mont Saint-Michel, and I couldn't find it at the wine store. So I'm drinking my favorite decaf tea. This says peace, love, and chocolate, no relation. (laughs) My favorite decaf tea, which is peach, ginger peach. Very good. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, welcome to the show. So for our listeners who do not know you, what do you write? Okay, so... I published my first book because I hope to do a second. It is a memoir. Um, I I am a retired teacher, so I always did a lot of writing and taught writing as part of the curriculum. I always kept journals. I've studied screenwriting, memoir writing, fiction writing, and I published my first memoir called From Here, Lessons in Love and Loss from 9-11. And as a person who kept journals all of her life, when my husband went, my husband Ira went missing on September 11th, I started writing and documenting everything that happened and letters to him in in addition. And by the end of that experience, into a few weeks, I had seven journals filled, which eventually became my first manuscript. Wow. Yeah. Well, that is um, that is a very interesting way of approaching it. Yes. Uh, um, so when did it, when did you when did it get published? When did it go out? It went out September twenty second of last year of twenty twenty two. Very and, cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, the purpose of me writing the book initially was for me to heal. 
to purge, to heal, to move forward. And uh, then it became about helping others who might be going through a dark night of the soul because of a tragic loss. And God knows we've had plenty since then. And when, and then I, I, but I was by no means ready to take it on the road. I had an opportunity to publish with a small press in 03, 04, but I was not ready to go out talking about it. And I knew um, instinctively, I, and I was guided that way as well, given guidance that I needed to work on myself and heal through this because it wasn't just the loss of my beloved spouse, but it was the way that it happened and the whole political aspect and uh, being a person who, I think I'm a pretty deep thinker. I wanted to know why, how could this happen? And I went on this great soul searching journey, which led me to studying all the world's religions. I almost became an interfaith minister, but I was still teaching. So I couldn't go through a two-year program, but I studied with spiritual people like Carolyn Mace, um, who is a, a, an intuitive and medical healer. And she has a, a program where she trains people uh, in spiritual lessons, spiritual knowledge. Um, I, I was thinking who would be a role model for a, a, a 9-11 widow or a family member. And all I could come up with was a Holocaust survivor. And being of Jewish descent, um, I sought out Ellie Wiesel, my daughter-in-law, Natalie, who is the then girlfriend of my son, Adam, was at Boston University where uh, Professor Wiesel was a professor. And she uh, got in touch with him and he read my manuscript and wrote me a beautiful letter and to encourage me to keep circulating it around and get it published. Uh, but he has since he passed away before I published it, so I couldn't get a review from him. But then I went on to study um, positives. I retired from te my teaching career. I became the artist I always was, but didn't practice regularly. And that also got me more in touch with myself. Um, I also was always fascinated by the mysteries of life and death and the spiritual world. And I've studied with some wonderful mediums and healers and enhanced my own ability, which I don't do as a prominent thing in my life, but it has certainly enriched my life. I'm more of a creative person, artist, writer. Um, I spent a lot of time in nature. And in fact, the photo on the cover of my book is one that I took at the beach here on Long Island. And I met my husband at the beach, actually. Oh, <laughs> so it's wow. a theme in the book. Yeah. And uh, I, I always, I still continue to keep journals. I have a gratitude journal that, thank you, Oprah, <laughs> that, <laughs> that I use until I forget for a while. Um, I love to, there's, there's a woman named Julia Cameron who wrote The Artist's Way, a book for recovering artists, how to get through all of the garbage so that you could focus on what you have to do. And it's kind of the Bible for aspiring writers and artists. 
And um, one of her, her tools was morning pages, which I got into long before my husband passed away. And, and I would get up in the morning and write a stream of consciousness for four pages. And after a while, you can uh, see a theme in your life of what might be bothering you or what is very prominent or you need to work on. So that, that was a beautiful tool. And um, I, I do that still uh, with lapses because I, I try all different kinds of things. <laughs> that sounds like you've gone on quite a journey with this. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm assuming a lot of this was done to be cathartic for you to get through the loss. Initially, yes. Yes. What about now that you've put it out there? Because, you know, it's one thing when, you know, me and Bo both write uh, fiction books for the most part. I do write nonfiction, but they're usually work guides and things like that. They're not like personal guides, you know, like personal to my thing. What was that like putting that out there? Um, Well, I didn't. It was very interesting. Um, This book has had a long gestation period. (laughs) <laughs> and I only put it out to people who would give me feedback along the way. So it took me 19 years. I finished the initial manuscript in May or maybe late winter of 03. So it, it was 19 years later that I picked it up again and I picked it up again. Um, it was always, I try to convince myself that because I gave it over to the 9-11 Memorial Museum to use excerpts as needed, then it was made public. But it always was the elephant in the room of my life poking at me. Eh, eh, eh. And I knew that it was one of the reasons uh, that I am alive. It's part of my contract in this life to do this. Uh, So once I decided to do it, and it was the winter of 20, oh, it was last winter, 22, I had had a health scare. I was supposed to have gone to Florida. I didn't go, and I'm fine. It was a scare. (laughs) And because I didn't go to Florida for a few months, um, I connected, I took classes with a yoga teacher who I'm very fond of, who I know for some years. And she and a partner had put together a book called Yoga Through a Jewish Holiday Year, where they combine yoga with the wisdom that comes out of each holiday. And I was so impressed with the layout of the book and the cover design. And she so generously shared her book designer with me. And then I got a proofreader, even though I was an English major and I can proof for other people. But I had some other eagle eyes doing it. There's a daughter-in-law, Natalie, as well. <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. And um, it didn't need all that much proofing. It just needed a little bit rearranging of some things. And um, now that we live in a woke culture, a more woke culture, hopefully, uh, there were some things that were just not usable anymore. For example, I used a line, I shaded my eyes Indian style from the sun. <laughs> but you can't say that anymore. It's not, it's not appropriate. It's not politically correct. 
So I had to change that line to, I shaded my eyes with my hand, you know. Uh, so stuff like that. And I was inspired by Katie Couric's biography or memoir, Going There, where she included family photos and catchy titles for her chapters. And so I incorporated that. And uh, I had a wonderful time doing it. And I worked very hard on it um, all through last summer. And then self-published it mostly. I say mostly because Erica, my book designer, has her own company. And I have, I'm under her ISBN number. <laughs> so it's a little bit, but it's basically on Amazon and through Barnes, Barnes & Noble. And um, now I'm looking to do an audio book because I've had many requests for that because oh, I have a lot of older friends and they like to listen to things rather than read. <laughs> well, I think audiobooks are a great thing, but that's how I get most of my books these days because of driving or mm -hmm. I put audiobooks on when I'm doing chores that, um, cause it's easier. You can walk around with your headphones on and listen to audiobooks when you're doing dishes or laundry or whatever. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's sort of, otherwise there's, downtime and you know, for those of us that don't have downtime so now that it's published and out in the world what was the um, reaction like from strangers because you initially gave it to people who were going to review it that you had a sort of a degree of trust and now you've put this little baby out into the world all by its little lonesome what was that like um I'm I'm very delighted at how well received it is and it's been and um, as I have done uh, some speaking engagements locally, and then people who know me in other parts of the country have asked me to speak at their book groups. So I've done that on Zoom and in person, and that's been wonderful. And it, it's, uh, I'm just very, it, it's a very fulfilling venture for me wonderfully fulfilling um, because it is as relevant today as it was 20 some odd years ago. One, because it's history. Two, I'm living history. So people want to hear from me. And if someone has a connection to me, uh, that's valuable to them. They say, oh, I know the author. I'd like to bring her in. But it's also highly relevant because there's so much grief and terror and trauma in the world today. And I was, when I saw the anguish on the faces of the family members of victims of school shootings and these mass shootings, I, I felt it. I knew what they were experiencing because I had experienced a very similar kind of a feeling with my loss. And so I want, I want those people and anyone going through a dark night of the soul and really struggling to know that there is a way through and that I, an ordinary woman who has lived a pretty traditional life, not in my head, but in action, <laughs> um, got through and so can they, so can you. So if it brings comfort, uh, it's done its job in that way. Very, very cool. I think that's that's exactly what those books need to do. What is it like um, 
for you, are you still living up near New York? Are you I, still there? I, believe it or not, I I, I travel around a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, have spent plenty of time at a significant other's house, etc. Over the years, you know, but uh, visit my kids who are local. I am on Long Island in the same house my husband and I bought in 1975. <laughs> oh wow! Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so you've started to get feedback. What um, did you try to go the traditional publishing route at first? At first I did. And I had an offer from a small publisher, but I, I wasn't ready. And I just, I wasn't sure the manuscript was ready. Oh, and, and I'm glad I didn't do it because I got really great advice from the author of When Bad Things Happen to Good People, Rabbi Harold Kushner. Mm-hmm. I go to Arizona every year for this art, um, an art trek, I call it, <laughs> and do some artwork in the deserts. And I, I'm one with the swaros. And I often go to a spa there. So Rabbi Kushner was speaking at this particular spa. And I planned my trip around that. And wherever I went over the years, I brought my manuscript with me because who knows, who know, you know, who would you, you never know who you're going to run into (laughs) or pick up some valuable information or tips. So he was speaking there at, at the time that I planned my trip and I met with him and, and we talked after his, uh, speaking engagement. He was a darling man. And, uh, he said, I would have counseled you to do exactly what you did after 9-11 if I knew you then, to keep journals and the fact that you could create a manuscript worked really well. Um, but I also would encourage you to go the self-publishing route because he, and I quote him, I had to bastardize my manuscripts for a big publishing house to make them highly saleable and bring money in to the publisher and um, himself as well. And he's a prolific writer. He said, but you're not going to want to, you're not going to want to pollute your story. After speaking with me, he picked that up and I have this beautiful note from him. And, and he, um, well, when I was sitting there with him, he said, would you like me to read your manuscript? I said, Oh, I would love that. Thank you here. <laughs> so he took it home with him and he read it, sent it back with a, and emailed me a letter. And um, probably I, I, I like to think he would have written a great review for me, but he had just lost his wife when I con- contacted where he used to work uh-huh. and he, he was pretty ill. So out of respect, I didn't want to pursue that, but. I have gotten beautiful reviews. Yeah. Um, mostly five stars. A couple of sour pusses gave me four point. Gave me four. <laughs> no, I, I don't know that I'd consider those sour pusses. My no, friend. no four, four is great. Four is great. Four is great. I only got mm. two fours out of 22. The rest of five star reviews. And my, two of my positive psychology colleagues who wrote the reviews for my book and it's just been great. And I'm, I'm getting some letters from people. I'm so happy you wrote this, Felice. It's given me hope. It's brought me comfort. Uh, and, and I'm going to share it with family members and friends. And that's how it's spreading. I'd say 
as far as uh, promoting the book, half of the promotion has been good self-promotion. And being the age I am, which I could, I'm 73. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've been a part of so many communities over the, the years of my life that I've reached out to them. And because they know me, they're happy you know, to do this, to, to read it, to spread the word. And that's been wonderful. Hey, listeners, you know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have. But guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo, Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about. And I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep. And you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform or choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. So you chose to go the self-publishing route. Did you take some courses in the marketing and stuff like that that goes along with that? No. (laughs) No? No, I didn't know they were even available. Is that available on Amazon? Oh, not on Amazon. There's a ton of marketing courses for authors and stuff like that, that you can look up how to do the marketing for yourself, you know, because that is a whole thing to do the marketing, right? Um, so have you done any in-person signings yet? Yes, I have. What was that like? <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> That, that, that was delightful. And if I, especially, um, I did one gr- book group in Florida where they had a special meeting of their book group because I happened to be in town. And then more people from the community came and I sold a whole bunch of books and wrote nice things to the people, especially if I knew them personally or knew something about them. And then the local beauty salon had me in for a book signing. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> that, very cool. That was interesting. And um, I'm going to do one May 4th at a, the local synagogue where I used to be a full-time member. I'm now an associate member because I'm not here full-time. Uh, and going to do a book talk, talk about the history of how this book came to be. Very and cool. um do a reading, a Q&A, and a book signing. And uh, that should draw a bunch of people. Yeah, so. And I also want to give back because that community, uh, the synagogue community, the, the general community here where I live, the school community where I taught at the time, just enveloped my family and me. So we had tremendous support. And I think we would have had plenty of support had it not been a national tragedy. But because it was, it was an attack on America. Everyone felt it. So which in, a, in its own way gave us more support. And I was going to ask about that. So it, I think it's very different, kind of like what happened with COVID, right? Which mm-hmm. 
not opening that can of worms again right now. Right. But, um, you know, different places in the country had different reactions to the situation. You know what I mean? Yes, As I do. This tragedy happened in New York. Yes, it was a national tragedy. And it also happened in D.C., not taking yes. away from that either, right? But um, what was that like when you're in the community where this ground zero sort of has happened, right? Versus as you were kind of filling out this book and probably broadening the community and talking to people who were outside. But what was it? Di- what was the difference being there versus as you know, it was a national story. Yes. What was the difference, say, if I went to Ground Zero and were with people? Well, you having lost your husband and it were part of that exact situation, right? There was a community and there was the New York community. Yeah. Did this versus it becoming on a national stage, because not that it couldn't be felt in Montana. And I'm not saying it wasn't, but, you know, was it? Felt it's not felt as hard in Montana, and I'm just picking a random state. Oh. Nobody send me hate mail. Um, versus what happened in New York, right? Oh, sure. It was uh, in the New York and metropolitan area, surrounding states. It was all-consuming, okay. and all you saw in the news were the towers being hit and falling, and all. And so, how I dealt with that. Um, was I decided to that I needed to grieve the loss of my husband and then deal with the other stuff. Um, I had a full-time job after school, filling out paperwork. It was tremendous, all the stuff that had to be done because of that. Um, but along the way, I, um, I was in a trade center support group it started in November of 01, and, and then we all exited. That was very interesting. They were all widows, except um, two of the widows, my friends and I, we became friends, brought our sons. My younger son was living at home at the time, and her son as well. And they came, and there was a young man who survived 9-11, the 93 bombing of the Trade Center and some other great tragedy. And he had, with his tremendous survivor skill, just wanted to help everyone. That was interesting. I got in touch with Harvey Kushner, who was a terrorism expert and a consultant for the government, I think under Bush and maybe the administration before that. And he came to speak at my synagogue. I brought him to the Trade Center Support Group. And then I needed, I was 9-11'd out. (laughs) And and I got very good counsel. My husband worked for Lehman Brothers. He was the only employee missing. Uh, And he, um, he was, my first prayer was when I finally accepted after 10 days, he wasn't coming home and a detective showed me emails as to his whereabouts. So that was obvious. I said, please, God, I've got to have his body. Uh, we need to have a funeral and I need something of his. And I got both of those wishes were answered. So uh, 
there's a humorous scene where I went to pick out a cemetery plot and I was freaking out because I had to get a double plot, one for me too. Mm. <laughs> I wasn't ready to think about my own death, you know. Uh, but there's humor in my book as well because there's humor in everything and you have to laugh sometimes at the craziness. So, so um, to stick to your question, uh, it was right after uh, when I was at home. I was home for 10 days before I went back to work. And um, there was traffic in and out, in and out. I had close friends monitoring it and taking care of the phones. And after a while, that died down. And finally, the Lehman people came to my home. And I was here with one son. I have two. My older one was married and on his own and, you know, uh, not living with us, um, but close by. And I had no choice but to accept that Ira was not coming back. And, the, and Lehman had hired a social worker who called me every day from the second day on and, and to work with me, to help me look at my own resources and the career I had created and the structure I needed in order to, to move out of that lockdown at home. And after 10 days, I went back to school. And that was very interesting. Everybody had been alerted that I was coming back. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I sat down in my first class. I was on a stool at the front of the classroom. And I looked at all these kids who I only knew for a week or two, because there was only a couple of weeks before 9-11. And I looked at them and I said, I'm happy to answer. I'm very happy to be back and I'm glad to answer any questions you might have. And all I got were stares <laughs> and they were so counseled for so many days. They were 9-11'd out and they just wanted their teacher back and life is normal. And that was when I taught my first lesson and I got oh. back into the swing and yeah. So I, I thank God I had a job that I loved that I went back to. Um, and then by um, after the new year, I started feeling better. You know, you go into that tunnel of darkness <laughs> as the, the days get shorter. And then the days after the holidays, after New Year's, you could know that they start getting a little bit longer. And I joined a bereavement group, which was just strictly a bereavement group. And I walked in and I saw all of these vibrant, attractive women, all of them younger than me. They were in their 40s. I was 52. There was another person my age. And I looked at all of them and I thought to myself, they're going to be all right. And then I knew I would be all right. So that was a supportive thing. And then we, you work your way through that and outgrow that as well. And go on to the next thing. As far as what was going on in the city here, um, Rudolph Giuliani, uh, <laughs> I have a lot to say about now, but back then he was my hero because he took charge in such a positive way of New York City that we weren't fearful because people were worried about what could happen next. The government hired Hollywood screenwriters. To, try, to imagine what terrorists could do next. 
Um, um, the Israelis were brought over to train the NYPD. Yeah. So the, the Israel, uh, Israeli people from the army. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. So I, it was, there was quite a lot to address and I knew I could not handle all of it at once. So I took it in small doses and I got some very, very wise advice from a doctor who was in my life at that time. And she said, don't look at those images. Don't look at them. It's going to traumatize you. And um, I think the people who were down there were more traumatized by it than I was. Yeah. Uh, and then, and I did go after um, 9-11 down to ground zero, which was called the pit at the time. And I was at the family center down there where they address some of our needs. Uh, I hope I answered your question. You, you <laughs> did. Um, so, and I appreciate that. And it sounds like it was definitely a huge journey, which I, I can't even imagine. You talked about, though, at the beginning that you're looking at doing more writing. Yes. So what are you looking at doing more writing on or are you doing more writing right now? Well, I do a lot of journal writing. Um, I, I took a course called Stories of My Life and a lot of interesting things came out of that. I think I would like to my next book to be about the spiritual side of life. And that my faith in, in, the, in God not just via my religion and via all religions. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, because I studied all the world's religions and they all come back to the same thing. Everybody's journey, the soul's journey back to God. And I believe that the soul is eternal. In fact, I know it is. I have had many experiences with souls who have crossed over. And um, I might like to gather other people's stories and share a book of how people cope with loss. Uh, and and uh, it's not completely formulated yet. That's one idea. I also wrote a screenplay years ago that I'd like to turn into a book. A okay. fiction. What, what, is, what is that about? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Uh, that's about, that's a story about a, um, well, the basic components are a psychology professor and a detective, and it takes place during the Cold War. Oh. When, when we, uh, America, had remote viewers i'm very fascinated by all that stuff remote viewing is when you send your mind out to locate an object or a person or a thing okay um, yes uh, uh, and it's it's uh, uh we did that we had i i think it was called project stargate i, I don't quite remember but okay these that existed and people who had some psychic ability were trained to in remote viewing to detect where there may be missiles that were threatening us. 
It takes place during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So they were using their minds to do that? Yes, yes. Um, And they they would practice and somebody would be on one side of a wall and uh, draw a picture of a place or and the remote viewer would try to locate where in this picture a certain thing was. And they got better and better at it. Uh, there are people who do that still today. I never took any training in it, but I'd love to. I find that fascinating. And um, I, I... Did that I, work? Did they actually yeah. find missiles? I believe so. Oh, that's... I don't know everything. Yeah, and look, there are people who locate missing people, too. I don't know if it's the exact same way of doing things. They may get messages from souls who have crossed over. Uh, But that I've always been intrigued by the spiritual world, the unseen world. That's very cool. So when do you think you're going to start working on that? Um, Well, I feel like I have to give this book because of its importance to me, my family, America, uh, and the world, uh, at least a year. Ah. So I'm not going to say I won't start writing, you know, uh, in a structured way soon, but I'm still very excited about my current book and everything that's planned. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. That is very awesome. Okay, cool. Okay, so what advice would you give authors out there? Since you're a new author, kind of just went through this, what piece of advice would you give authors? Um, Think about why you want to be an author, because the why is very important. And I trace that back in myself. The other thing is, uh, don't give up on it. It's okay if it goes away for a while, you know, you put it on the back burner. But if something's poking at you, Bring it back in. If I again, if I can do it, you can too. If you really want to, persevere. That's good advice. Hello, drinking with authors fans. This is your host Erica Lance. Because of the change of the format of the show, welcome to the literary briefs portion. Enjoy. Rapid fire questions. You ready? Yeah. What is your favorite book of all time? Oh, boy. I, I'm going to tell you my favorite current book of all time because I okay. have books through the years. And that was, that is, Where the Crawdads Sing. Because Ooh. one, I love the murder mystery in it. And it was written with the most gorgeous language where I could visualize all the descriptive words used by the author to describe the swamp land um, in North Carolina. I think it's swapped beautiful and ju- just everything in nature there. I loved it so much so that I didn't want to see the movie and pollute what was in my mind. I, <laughs> I didn't think want that was a good choice on your part because <laughs> not the same. Okay. What about your least favorite book? Um, I don't have least favorite books because I don't read them. I had them when I was uh, in school. Uh, okay. Growing up. What was one in school that you didn't like? Um, Hiroshima was very upsetting. Mm -hmm. I remember that in an English class in high school. And, and, and I, 
the diary of Anne Frank, which I probably read in junior high school, was mm-hmm. difficult for me. Yet I grew up to write a memoir about a 9-11 experience. So, but that was those difficult things. But that's interesting. So I guess I rose to the challenge, you know, and overcame that. <laughs> no, that it makes sense. Have you thought about reading it again now that you've done what you've done? Very interesting. Hiroshima might be something I'd want to read again. Yeah. 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 Just now that you've gone through that journey and have uh, some similar reality to what the authors of those books were doing. Um, what, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Vanilla. <laughs> Sometimes with some chunks of stuff in it, but I like vanilla with a little hot fudge on it. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I love hot fudge. I could eat just hot fudge. And like I yeah. <laughs> it's a problem. My boyfriend thinks he's like, I'm like, we should go get Sundays. And he's always like, do you mean you should go get hot fudge in a cup? And I'm <laughs> like, I might mean that. I might. You're, I'm not you're just that. living your best life. It is fine. It is totally fine. I think it's totally fine. You know, hashtag life goals. Um, where's your favorite place to travel, Felice? Oh, uh, I've traveled, I'd say a lot. Um, and that changed over the years, but I am a person who loves the Southwest. Mm. And the first big trip I took after my husband passed was to New Mexico. I went on a tour with a friend, a girlfriend, and we went to Taos, Albuquerque and Santa Fe. And that was just magnificent. And as an artist, I just devoured the art. I loved it. That canyon road. And then the spirituality of the mountains. And now I go to Tucson once a year. And I walk through the desert with a group and take photos and paint and draw. Um, In fact, I have a pillow right here that I bought in Sedona. That was another favorite. Two Native American women on here. And I copied this onto a canvas. And so I have a matching painting. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yes, I would say the Southwest, I love it because it's a totally different environment from the Northeast. Yeah. And if I had a community of people there, I'd get a second place there to live. Where is your favorite author? My favorite author right now is Daniel Silva because he he has over the years taken his family with him and they've gone to research in Europe, in the Middle East, wherever the settings of his books are. And I have learned so much about Middle Eastern. I've gotten my education in Middle Eastern politics from his books. And my favorite fictional character is his main character, Gabriel Alon, who is an Israeli assassin for the Mossad, who and whose cover is as an art restorer. So it has all these elements that I love. Yeah. So, uh, but, but his books are so filled with characters. And there are the basic ones who are the, remain there. And then as the books pro- go on, he adds in different ones. And I sometimes have to keep notes to keep track of all of it, just to get through a book. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. What is a weird food combination that you like? 
a weird food combination. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I don't know. I people used to say I ate weird stuff. Like I used to like my kids remember how I used to peel off the chocolate icing from a cupcake and just eat the icing like you would eat hot fudge. <laughs> yeah. So Entenmann's chocolate covered donuts. My son, one of my kids mentioned recently, oh, you, uh, he was telling his kids, oh, your grandma used to peel off the chocolate coating and throw the donut away. <laughs> Oh, wow. So that that kind of stuff. Sometimes I yeah, yeah. I had a reputation as a picker, but now I eat. I try to eat as cleanly as possible because at my age, I want to preserve what I've got. <laughs> so I, I don't crave all that much sugar. But um, if I eat too much bread, I don't feel great, and I I try to not eat things with additives. So yeah, that makes sense. I try to use Twinkies too. Um, preserve what I've got because <laughs> I feel like Twinkies can last a really really long time that's true so if you eat area. enough of them you're gonna be like preserved from the inside out your science <laughs> makes a lot of sense I you have so. a freeze you have a freezer Twinkie because that that vanilla cream in the middle frozen is terrific oh no I have not but now I'm going to try that sounds amazing <laughs> I love it Okay. What about, um, what is your favorite pet? Well, I, I don't have a pet right now. I, my late dog Daisy was a West Highland Terrier mm. and she was with me all through 9-11 and afterward. And, um, uh, she was, I, I started traveling in 05, 06, 07. I think she passed in 06. But she was getting really weak, and my vet kept hinting she was one of my loves. Mm -hmm. And the vet kept trying to get me to see she was really going down. And my kids said, Mom, if she didn't pass away on her own, we would have come and put her down because you just didn't see it. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't. So Daisy was wonderful. She was like her mother. That's me. Sweet and loving until you mess with her. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. I think animals, it's, it, you come to, you have to come to realize that most animals don't tell you when they're in pain or they're hurting. Right. right. You know, they maybe think. act differently, but they don't really go, hey, so. <laughs> over I'm, it. I'm over it. Not doing great. <laughs> um, so you, um, you know, he hinted at the paranormal and everything. Uh, do you believe in ghosts? It's not a belief in ghosts. Um, ghosts are are spirits that are earthbound. Um, I don't know that I've ever, well, yes, I have experienced a ghost in, um, where was I? I was on a trip and we were, the, there were four of us and we were in Savannah Right. And went into or new Savannah, yeah. And we went into this old hotel, <laughs> and I was went into a lady, and it was reputedly haunted. Mm -hmm. And I went into a um, restroom, okay. and my boyfriend and two friends were waiting outside, and and I saw um, two feet come into the next stall 
with old-fashioned lace-up shoes, like black oh, wow. shoes. Yeah. And 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 um I opened the stall and then I looked and the shoes moved away. <laughs> they were just the feet. So yeah. But I um I've had experiences since childhood with spirits. And they um, often come around in throngs before someone's passing. I witnessed that before a relative passed away two weeks before. And I told my husband that I thought this relative, something's up. There's throngs of spirits here. And he says, yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. He was more tuned in than me, though. He was very psychic. Uh, And and this relative did pass within two weeks. so I've had experiences. I dream a lot. Um, I have been able to read some people sometimes, you know, when their relatives come through. And I've had some training with, with a wonderful, wonderful teacher. Uh, but I don't believe I'm meant to do that at big time in my life. It's just, it just is validation to me that everything I always knew exists. So um, ghosts, I don't think, I think we should be more afraid of living people who can do bad things, not ghosts. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I just think we tend to want to see things, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when we, you know, don't. But that belief, that, that knowing that, that the soul lives on, um, did help me through the loss of my husband very much. So, and he came right through in a couple of readings afterward. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's, that's very true. Okay. Um, Bo. What is your desert Island book? The book you could read over and over for the rest of your life and never get tired of. Uh, That would probably be one of my books on health and nutrition. (laughs) <laughs> because I I really uh, read a lot and learned a lot. Uh, I I just uh, I get very excited about new new uh, things in science, and I I think that people are going to be living longer and healthier lives because of everything that's done. Mm-hmm. So it would be things like that. Um, or books about people's experiences with the other side. Yeah. So I don't have any single one thing. So if you could be a, I'm going to ask the mythical creature question. Go for it. (laughs) If you could be one mythical creature, what would it be? Well, it would probably be some goddess of some kind, like Diana. Yeah, I like that nature girl out there with her bow and arrow, you know, (laughs) feminine, but strong, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very cool. What about, um, what is your guilty pleasure reads? What genres do you like to read? Hmm. I I don't know. I think, um, well, I, I actually, I enjoyed Katie Kirk's book so much mm-hmm. because she had information about all of these uh, celebrities who were in the broadcasting business 
There was even something about Donald Trump, a lot of information about Donald Trump when he was uh, just Donald Trump, <laughs> the, the builder. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I like that. I like to know backstory. I like to read about people who whistleblowers, whistleblowers, people who take down the bad guys or, or uh, women who, who make, I just saw the movie, She Said, I never read the book. I think I'd like to read that book. It's about the two journalists who yeah. helped bring out all of these women to come speak out about how they suffered working with Harvey Weinstein and what they went through. Yeah, I like that. That's very cool. Very cool. Okay, Bo, I'm going to give you the final question, my friend. Ooh. I don't know a good one. Okay. <laughs> Not a good one. If you could use one quote from your book to ensnare readers, what would it be? Hmm. The first ensnare readers. Um, I need an angel. And at that moment, the phone rang. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. Goosebumps. I okay. did get an angel in human form at that time too. Yeah. Oh, here's another one for you. This is, mm. this is really what, and it, it, it's, I only hinted at my intuitive side in this book. But I met my husband on the beach when I was 16 and I was, it opens up that way. I was with a group of friends and we were just slathering baby oil and iodine <laughs> over us, which you did in the sixties, you know, which, you know, now you don't want to die young. Don't do that and get <laughs> melanoma. But um, we were relaxing, we were reading books and blah, blah, blah. And my friend said, oh, look at him. Cause we're always looking out for cute boys. And I looked and out of the water walked Ira and I knew we were supposed to be together. Really? And that's in my book. I said, I knew we were supposed to be together. Really? And uh, then he dated two of my friends and I went out with his cousin <laughs> for the summer. And then we met up again three and a half years later. That was the permanent time. Yeah. That is, you know, sometimes it's just the time, right? Yeah. Well, I was 16. What was I going to do? <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, Felice, it was wonderful having you on our podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I had a great time. Thank you very much. I like you both so much. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, shameless self-promotion time. Where do people find you in your book? They can find me at felicesaslow.com. And my book can be ordered there if they would like an autographed copy and can't get to see me or on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here, guys. This has been Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs Edition. I have been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today has been the amazing Bo Lake. Our guest has been Felice Zaslow. Do not forget to like, subscribe, leave us a review, and we will see you guys next time.